You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. Come check out my latest, Lamar Jackson, breaking down why and should these teams go after him that are not the Ravens after he gets the non-exclusive franchise tag from Baltimore. So one week, the clock's ticking to see if there's any offers on the table that will include giving two first-round picks or the equivalent of that to agreed compensation to the Ravens to acquire Lamar Jackson on top of the mega contract that is agreeable to him. So we'll see. It's still going to be hard to move Lamar. A lot of teams have already opted out on that, we think, for now. But it's going to get interesting here as we go forward because there's not a lot of options now with Daniel Jones now returning to the Giants. He gets a four-year, $160 million deal. You also have Geno Smith returning to the Seahawks, a little bit of a bargain deal there overall when you look at the $30 million market for quarterback. So looking forward to breaking those down for you, those three moves and what they mean for fantasy football on today's show. Thanks again for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen today. We're free and available to you on all platforms. All right, let's start with what's going on with Lamar Jackson. This is really strange here. The Ravens not exclusive franchise tag. I think a lot of people freaked out about that because now it allows an easy path for Lamar to leave the Ravens if a team is willing to give up those first-round picks on top of agreeing to a contract terms with Lamar Jackson that the Ravens, if it's too lucrative, do not need a match, and therefore Lamar is walking to that other team. But so far you've seen the well dry up. The Raiders have been vocal about maybe not going after him. You've seen the Falcons say that. The Panthers, these are three of the top suitors and they've uh, made some behind-the-scenes statements about not going after Lamar Jackson. I don't know what's going on here. Obviously, the best place for Lamar and his fantasy football value is where we know it. They have a transition there from Greg Roman to Todd Munkin as their offense coordinator in Baltimore. But when you look at it, the weapons are there. Mark Andrews, he knows very well. Rashad Bateman should come back healthy and be a big factor. Devin DuVernay, he had some good chemistry with as a downfield target. Working out of the slot, they're replacing Marquise Hollywood-Brown. So... Looking at that, uh, there were some things that they liked. The Ravens admitted they need to continue to upgrade their receiving core. I don't think Bateman, as a number one, they can do a little bit of everything, is enough here, especially with some early durability issues in his career. On top of DuVernay just kind of being a track star converted into a slot guy. And Mark Andrews is an absolute stud, but they need someone else to diversify that passing game there that can start with Bateman. I think they missed Marquise Brown, especially with Bateman being on the shelf for much of last season. They had to make it work with Demarcus Robinson and some other guys in there. So I think this Ravens offense has had some things break down. I think their offensive line is back on track with Tyler Linderbaum and the other linemen they have there to uh, kind of rebuild what they had up front. So I also think the running game is going to return pretty strong here. Remember J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards have missed a lot of time here of late with big knee injuries. So you get that combination back, maybe you look to upgrade a little bit more, but you get a little bit more explosiveness with Dobbins in the backfield as well as a good outlet pass catcher, and then Edwards being a strong between the tackles power back. So I think, again, the best fantasy football value for Lamar Jackson is staying in Baltimore, that's for sure. Any other 
option. We have to explore it. We got to think about it. I think you could go to the Jets, but is it going to be more of a passing team where they reduce the running reps? We'll see about that. The Raiders are a passing team as well right now. Devontae Adams being a centerpiece there as well as Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. So maybe that's why these teams are out. But notably the Colts are still there, which is important. It's Shane Steichen and just working Jalen Hurts. So I think that is a likely destination right now. They're very quiet here. They can get aggressive with GM Chris Ballard to make that move. If Lamar goes to the Colts, you're in business because you have that same type of receiver, a big slot there that is capable of being on the outside regularly. Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, a field stretcher with a lot of speed. you got Paris Campbell that maybe will be back in the fold if you have a Lamar Jackson at quarterback there to throw short passes there to get him in the open field. And you have, of course, Jonathan Taylor. That offensive line is going to be revved up as well. It was disappointing last year with Quentin Nelson and company, but I'm looking at the Colts being a great destination there for Lamar. I love the Falcons. If he had been able to get in with Drake London and Kyle Pitts and that uh, running game on the rise with Tyler Algier with uh, Arthur Smith, knowing that he has that history in Tennessee with the good rushing production and the quarterback running being very effective, I would have liked that. But that seems off the table. The Commanders as well, they've got a good running game with Antonio Gibson. Fading, but you still have Brian Robinson Jr. on the rise, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, some weapons there. So there are a lot of good places for Lamar, but in terms of that running ability where he's let loose in an offense tailored to him, Baltimore is still the best place. So we'll see again. I think Colts would be that next team I'm looking at for Lamar after the Ravens uh, being the team to watch most here. They're in a position where they could trade a high draft pick and uh, maybe the Ravens move on with Anthony Richardson there at uh, number four overall with that Colts pick. So a lot of things to watch out there. But it, it was very interesting to see teams such as the Falcons and Jets and Panthers and Raiders be so quick so far to dismiss this notion when I think you have to keep it open. This is their best avenue to acquire a quarterback, especially if Aaron Rodgers, A, decides to return to Green Bay and start over Jordan Love, or B, rides it off into the sunset and retires. There's one less person on the table. And we know with the re-signings here, of Daniel Jones and Geno Smith, two more viable options, as well as uh, Derek Carr. We broke down Carr to the Saints. So this quarterback carousel is being uh, put together pretty quickly by these teams. And uh, Lamar, again, it could spin back to Lamar having to agree with a maybe one-year prove-it deal with the Ravens on this franchise tag and then go for the bigger money, get that all-guaranteed money of 32.6. The boost there that will come later and just uh, take that and play the Lamar Jackson game the way that Kirk Cousins did and to keep boosting his value that way. So there's an option. I get it. Why the being concerned about the injury, the durability is something on both sides where Lamar wants to take care of it. Long-term guaranteed money. The Ravens want to be wary of giving him that long-term guaranteed money. So a lot to still be played out with this drama, but would now not surprise me if the suitors are kind of falling by the wayside. No one wants to pay him that big time money and give up the draft picks that he returns to the Ravens and they work it out that they can go happy forward and uh, get more out of their passing game as well as their top flight running game to see Lamar Jackson more round into that 2019 MVP form. All right, there you have it. There's a breakdown of the reaction to Lamar Jackson getting franchise tagged with a non-exclusive tender here by the Ravens. We'll break down the two other big quarterback moves that weren't Derek Carr signing the Saints. If you missed our car breakdown, the impact of his uh, fantasy value moving to New Orleans as well as all the skill position players, that show is up right now. Again, we'll break down Daniel Jones and Geno Smith returning to their respective teams, the Giants and Seahawks, in our final two segments here on Locked On Fantasy Football. Before we do that, i got to tell you it's an exciting time of year in the NBA. We know the NFL is over here, and we got to wait, but you can still look at some future bets there. But the NBA is in full swing here 
beyond the midway point of the season down the stretch, we're seeing Kevin Durant and Giannis and LeBron and all these uh, guys trying to prep their team for the stretch run. A lot of great action on its way from the NBA as we work toward the playoffs. So don't forget about NHL. Of course, MLB starting soon with spring training transitioning to regular season games. So take advantage of that to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 only at FanDuel. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. That's at FanDuel Sportsbook. So no sweat there for sure. There's everything you that you can look at with the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You can also count on it being safe, secure, and super easy to use. So bonus bets back up to $1,000 there if first bet doesn't win. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained for the NBA. So exciting stuff to have. Still a very strong season there in play without the NFL. Plus FanDuel lets you even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. I like to play a lot of those for sure to uh, get those bigger payouts. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, as well as NFL and the Locked On Network. All right, it is time to continue the show, and we'll break it down what we have with the other situations here of note and news that came out of Tuesday. Daniel Jones has agreed to a four-year $160 million contract. Yes, that's not a misprint. He's getting an average of $40 million a season. That was the going rate. Some people said it was going to be even more here. So very interesting that uh, the Giants went all in on Daniel Jones. I get he had a nice breakout season despite not having a lot of help there in that Giants offense. The receiving core was quite a mess. Didn't have any reliability at wide receiver or tight end. Relied a lot on Saquon Barkley. Relied a lot on his legs here to make plays. And again, the astronomical numbers weren't there, what we associate with fantasy. But I think that upside certainly is there because he's got a running floor that can make those plays. Now, really it comes down to the Giants. They got Saquon Barkley back. So that's another reason why they had to agree to this deal. Get some cap relief. Set things up here for Daniel Jones. Uh, at the going rate of the quarterbacks as it gets exponentially better, you got to get that deal when you can. So for them, 40 for 160 is not bad, especially when they could also tag Saquon Barkley at that $10 million guaranteed contract on the one-year tender. So it allowed them to keep Jones and Barkley here. So that duo is going to be intact. Now, who gives them the most help? We know Isaiah Hodgins is still in the mix there, but... Who else is there? Darius Slayton is a free agent. Sterling Shepard is a free agent. They're probably going to say goodbye to Kenny Galladay. They traded Kadarius Tony last year. So they'll wait for Wondell Robinson to return healthy to be kind of a complimentary player that can work the slot. But Giants are in desperate need of a number one. Could they look at Keishon Booty in the second round? Could they look at uh, a receiver in the first round if Jackson Smith and the Jigba or Quentin Johnson falls to them there? Do they look in the second round again potentially for Jalen Hyatt? Out of Tennessee, a big playmaker there, Rasheed Rice uh, from SMU. So there are a lot of options for the Giants to draft a true number one receiver to help Daniel Jones. That would be big-time help. Now, their offensive line has been better, we know, of late with Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal and the investments up front. So Giants are on the right track, kept their coaching staff intact with Brian Dable, their offensive head coach, going into year two, the NFL coach of the year after being the Bills' offensive coordinator. You have Mike Kafka. He was uh, looking at the Cardinals' job, but he ends up staying as uh, Daniel Jones' offense coordinator. So a lot of stability there for the first time in a while. New York, some weapons on their way, some good spending money there for the Giants. So they expect Daniel Jones to be better because they expect to improve the offensive skill situation around Daniel Jones. So I'm looking forward to it. I think Daniel Jones is definitely on the QB1 radar. That's where he finished last year. He was a surprise there, good value 
We know the running has always helped him. I think the running is going to remain an element. They like that part in the offense. Keep in mind, Dave will work with Josh Allen, another big, strong kid here in Jones. So that's going to be intact here for what he can do. The other thing is I think he's got a strong arm and can push it downfield. That's why Dave Gettleman liked him in the draft. So people can knock Dave Gettleman here from what happened in 2019 for him taking Daniel Jones not long after the Cardinals took Kyler Murray number one overall. But Jones proved he has a talent. He just needed the right guidance with his offensive coaching staff, with his support. He didn't have it before. I mean, it was ugly, ugly stuff before. I mean, the Joe Judge, Jason Garrett era, that was not good for Daniel Jones at all. Now... He's got two forward-thinking guys, one Canadian, hats off to Brian Dable there, and uh, Mike Kafka, of course, uh, from Northwestern, a very smart, uh, cerebral quarterbacks coach turned offense coordinator and a prime head coaching candidate there for his work with quarterbacks. So a former quarterback himself, he worked with the Eagles in the NFL, got uh, some time with them. So, again, this is a good brain trust here going forward for Daniel Jones. That's why they felt confident that Jones could continue to improve on that, build on it with his new coaching staff that he's had for one year. So I think it's a projection more so than what he just did. He's still a young quarterback. He's 25-26, so making that transition, they're paying for what he could do and the potential that he showed last year, despite not having a lot of weapons and playing a lot off uh, Barkley in the running game and doing his own running with his wheels. So, again, there is some upside with Daniel Jones. I've always liked him, just the makeup from Duke and – think he was underrated a bit in the draft process and then he finally got his due and going the first round the Giants I think jumped on them jumped on him earlier because again they were worried about other teams including the commanders going after him there so they've always liked him the new coaching staff likes him Daniel Jones has proved that so I think there's a big upside here so Jones I'm going to really target a lot I want to see what the Giants do with the rest of their offseason again upgrading their offense skill weapons I want to see what they can get more out of a Daniel Bellinger tight end to see if he can turn the corner as well as Robinson coming back healthy the two rookies from last year that flashed a little bit for Daniel Jones so they're gonna be in business if they get uh, a couple options there to help Jones and uh, play off Barkley in that running game the offensive line was very good run blocking I think they can get better pass protection so I'm excited about the Giants offensive possibilities overall with Jones being intact here especially with some stability there and the right kind of support so Watch out for this Giants offense being a little bit more explosive. They're coming off a confident playoff win on the road against the Vikings. It didn't quite work out in that uh, rematch with the Eagles from the regular season, their series. So I think the Giants, uh, just like the Eagles last year, may have learned it as a bottom wild card and only going to get better here in Jones. Definitely with the athleticism, the arm has all the talent in the world with the improved support to really put up big numbers and be pleasing in fantasy as well as reality here to help the win the Giants win a little bit bigger in this division behind the Eagles and Cowboys. So there you have it. There's a breakdown of Daniel Jones and what that means with the four-year $160 million deal for him to return to the Giants. So good things overall. So positive vibes there for the Giants. We'll see what things are like for the Seahawks after their big deal with Geno Smith. We'll break him down and that re-signing in our final segment here at Locked on Fantasy Football. Don't forget to check out Locked on NFL Draft, a great show with Damian Parson and Keith Sanchez. They break down the prospects uh, just fresh off the combine, breaking things down, mock drafts, the rankings. Uh, they got the pro days coming up to break down as well for you. So stay tuned to right here. A lot of draft talk, a lot of offseason talk. Locked on Fantasy Football, Locked on NFL Draft, all across the network here to cover your team every day. All right, it's time to close the show and look at uh, the Geno Smith signing and what that means. He gets three years, $105 million, so a little bit more then $30 million you're looking at for Geno per season. You're looking at uh, 
a pretty healthy number. Almost uh, really, you look at his uh, value and it's uh, really special here overall. So you look at it, it's uh, around uh, 35 million a season. So that's what it ends up being with that average. So Geno Smith locked in for $5 million less than Daniel Jones. Part of it, of course, he's a little bit older. He's in his 30s. While Daniel Jones, again, in his younger mid-20s here. So that's what helps, and that's why you have the difference between those two deals for a little bit of money. But really, if you look at it now, when you look at that number, $35 million is not crazy for starting quarterback. If 40 is okay, because it's going up to 45 and 50 and beyond, right? So... You've got a top quarterback you can go after. The Seahawks had very little invested, we know, in Geno Smith. He was just their journeyman backup, resurrecting his career from his uh, short time as a second-round pick with the Jets that didn't pan out. He turned out to be a great Russell Wilson replacement. We were all worried about it. We said, oh, they're really going the season with Geno Smith, and Drew Locke has shown the better arm, and they're picking Geno Smith and not going with a rookie. Well, Geno played really well last year. He set a franchise record for passing yards, which was crazy, given Russell Wilson and some of the numbers he had put up, but... They were more of a passing team last year. Geno was very comfortable. He was very steady. Had multiple touchdowns in a lot of games. Took advantage of his uh, key weapons here, DK Metcalf and uh, Tyler Lockett. So really loved uh, the way that uh, Geno Smith operated the offense for Shane Waldron. He didn't try to do too much. He ran at times to give himself a little bit more value. So I think the Seahawks were just a little bit afraid. Okay, do we turn this over to rookie or... Look, we can win now. And that's what you have to look at. The Seahawks have two first-round picks. So they really aced their draft last year between Kenneth Walker, their offensive tackles there, Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas, and defensively with Tariq Woolen. They really crushed the draft last year. So if they do well with two first-rounders this year with Pete Carroll and Janon Schneider, that seems like a relative bargain contract to give uh, Geno Smith $35 million a year because now you still have enough money to upgrade elsewhere, but you have a relatively young team. So it's really balancing out how much you pay your quarterback and how much support you're going to get from the other positions with youth and lesser contracts. Or you get that quarterback in a rookie deal and load up with veterans of the other. So the Seahawks are taking the route of, okay, we're close here. We were a good playoff team with Geno Smith. We can go upgrade different parts of our team in the draft. We don't want to part ways with that key draft capital, either with an aggressive trade-up for a quarterback and give up both first-rounders, or just use one of the first-rounders on a quarterback. So the Seahawks are in real good business here. This is going to keep the status quo of Kenneth Walker. I think he has a big year, staying healthy, without Rashad Penny in the mix this year. Penny is a free agent, so Walker should see close to a feature role here, and he can handle it going back to Michigan State. I think you can look at the Seahawks adding another weapon here. Their tight end question mark is there with Will Disley coming off an injury. I know they have Colby Parkinson, Noah Fant that they got from the Broncos deal, but I think there could be a little bit of transition there and get a little bit more help behind Fant. But I think Fant also started to feel it with Geno Smith late last year. When you look elsewhere, it's pretty darn good here with the Seahawks offense. Uh, again, those two young offensive tackles going to year two, pretty good interior line, good run blocking, good protection. So Geno Smith, another surprise QB1, pretty solid last year with his production. And now he stays in this offense. So continuity, very important for Jones, very important for Smith as well. And again, I think relative to what they could do elsewhere with the draft capital and free agent spending, I think the Giants and Seahawks went through similar exercises in their head and say, look, this is not crazy to pay this much to a quarterback who we think we can win with. What's the alternative? Scrambling to find another one. We didn't want to give up a lot of our 
first round uh, potential here or go too crazy with a quarterback elsewhere. That's why I think they're both out on Lamar Jackson because they had to pay a little bit more there. So they instead went with having the more manageable QB1 contracts there for Jones and Smith. So really looking forward to seeing what Geno Smith can do here in year two of starting. I think he's absorbed this offense pretty well, which is great, where he already had that exposure while Wilson was still there as the backup. So he's just applied that better. More confident using his legs, can spread the ball well with his arm now. There's very good weapons across the board. I think you can see the Seahawks again adding that special third receiver in the draft with one of those picks to help uh, Smith even more here. And uh, then your business with Fant, Metcalf, and Lockett, and the rest there to help this team. So really excited about Geno can do, and he should remain status quo. A lot of non-changes here that I expect from the Seahawks offense. So there you have it. There's a breakdown of the... Three moves of note there from the late Monday, Tuesday cycle of news for quarterbacks beyond uh, Derek Carr signing with the Saints. That's Lamar Jackson tagged with a non-exclusive uh, designation by the Ravens. Daniel Jones re-signed four years, $160 million by the Giants, and three years, $105 million for Geno Smith and the Seahawks. So really good uh, situations with the Giants and Seahawks. We'll see, however, the Ravens things play, plays out with Jackson here going forward. Thanks again for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We'll continue to break down the big off-season storylines with our next episode. Things just keep happening. So we'll break down advanced scouting here for 2023 season. Now make your second listen to Lockdown NFL Draft. David Parson and Keith Sanchez, as I mentioned, the hosts provide in-depth coverage of the biggest NFL Draft prospects with deep dives into sleepers and hidden gems that can change your favorite NFL franchise. Find Locked on NFL Draft wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, on YouTube, just like you'll find Locked on Fantasy Football. Also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. For Locked On Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and we'll check you out there with more off-season advanced scouting for your Locked On Fantasy Football on the next show.